Henderson, Perez, Johnny Evans, what a header! Oh, what an absolute cracker from Harvey Barnes! Oh, there's magic in that right boot! You're listening to Extra Time, live on LCFC Radio. Your place for all the reaction to the weekend's football. Yes, good evening and happy Monday to everybody uh, who's joining us for extra time here on LCFC Radio this evening. I'm Dan Bates. I've got Jerry Taggart and Tony Cotty uh, alongside me for the next hour as we talk about Leicester City's uh, disappointing defeat at the London Stadium yesterday. We'll also have a big preview of that huge FA Cup semi-final next week. We'll have Jerry Taggart and Tony Cotty's FA Cup memories, both as, as kids and and during their playing days as well, I think Jerry's a, a less enjoyable don't, as a player. Just, just don't come to me on that one. <laughs> than what they were uh, growing up. Uh, so we also want yours as well. We want you to get your uh, your thoughts and comments in, of course, as ever on Facebook and Twitter. And, and also some of your earliest FA Cup memories as well. We've also got the quiz later on, which I'm sure Tony Cotty is looking forward to as well this evening. Uh, good evening to the both of you. Um, Tony, firstly, obviously joining us uh, via Zoom. How are you? Uh, probably... Uh, uh, mixed emotions a little bit for you yesterday during the game. Yeah, evening, Dan. Evening, Tag. So, evening, Paul. Yeah, mixed emotions to a degree, Dan. But, you know, listen, as well as my team are doing West Ham, you know, I'm not here tonight to talk about West Ham. I'm here to talk about Leicester. And, uh, you know, it was, a, it, was a, it was a strange game, I felt, Dan. You know, it was that first sort of half an, half an hour or so. There did seem to be a lot happening in the game. And, you know, just... Once that first goal went in, it changed the game. And uh, I just felt it was a bit, I'm sure we'll talk about it. I just felt it was a really flat performance from Leicester. How disappointed were you from a Leicester point of view then, Tony Carter, yesterday because of that, as you say, flat performance, particularly in that first half? Yeah, do you know what? It, it, we're talking about FA Cup tonight, Dan. You know, obviously, it's heavily talking about the FA Cup because of what's coming up next weekend. And it was almost, to me, it was like uh, a team looking forward to the FA Cup semi-final next week. That's that's how I felt and sort of almost read into the performance. I'm sure that's not the case. And normally when teams look forward to an FA Cup semi-final, they're like, you know, mid-table and nothing to play for. Or, or like, you know, we, you know, in our glory days, me and Tags with Leicester and that, when we got to the League Cup finals and that, we were sort of safely in mid-table. And you do get a few sort of strange results when you're looking forward to the big games and that. And that, that's what it felt like. I'm sure that's not the case, but it was just an, an un-Leicester-like performance, I felt. You know, I, I felt there wasn't a lot wrong in the first half an hour because there wasn't, to be honest, not a lot happened. If anything, Leicester had sort of two or three long-distance shots and looked more threatening than what West Ham did. But, you know, once that first goal went in, it changed the game and it made it very difficult for Leicester. At least Leicester were able to get back into the game, Jerry. I guess. Firstly, good evening. I'm not yeah. really separate here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, good evening. Uh, yeah, they were able to get back into it, and mm. and so hopefully you think there will be a little bit of momentum going into the game next week, purely because, you know, in in that second half they were able to come back in the way they did, and, and so very nearly got the equaliser on a number of occasions. Well, I, th- I think they'll know. Forget about the second half and the two goals, but I think they know they can't start the game against Southampton the way they started the game against West Ham. I couldn't agree more with what Tony said. You know, he's analysed the game, he's picked the game apart. First half performance, not what we're used to seeing. And you have to say, really no excuse. You know, that is probably the minimum you have to give as a professional is to go out and have a pop. And, you know, there wasn't a lot in the game. And it was just, you know, Yuri Tillman's first half, he couldn't he couldn't get a hold of the ball. And and that's so unlike Yuri. He's been so fantastic this season, but he just couldn't seem to get a hold of the ball. He couldn't make anything happen. I mean obviously by the time things started to happen for Leicester in the second half, it was just a bit too late. And then you're clutching at straws. It's it's desperate. You know, people were talking about the Fafana chance at the end. Uh but it's I mean, you're relying on that one chance to save you the game, and you can't do that. You can't do it. You might get away with it, you know, every now and again, but you know, at the at the right at the death of a game, you can't expect your centre half to be at the top end of the pitch and, and saving the game for you. You know, every time you're trying to come from behind. But yeah, listen, Kelechi on is still on fire, which is a positive going into the game. So he'll take a lot of confidence from those two goals which would be great going into the game next week. But 
for me, it's all about making sure they don't start the way they did against West Ham. Yeah, we'll try our best, Tony, to focus on the positives. Obviously, there, there are negatives that do need to be addressed from, from the game itself. But Kelechi Inacho, another two goals. He, he's in scintillating form at the moment. Yeah, and I, I think the thing is, Dan, from my point of view, looking at it, you know, as I always do, I try and look at the centre-forwards and how they're doing and that. And I, I felt that Kelechi was the, the one guy for Leicester, you know, to, Tags spoke about uh, Yuri Tillemans. He's been fantastic all season. He was flat. The, you know, the wing-backs didn't get forward as much as they should have done. There wasn't much creation in midfield. Jamie really struggled to get in the game. But the one guy for me that stood out, I don't know who'd done the comms, but I hope they didn't give it to anyone else, the man of the match. Mm-hmm. I know we always have our difference of opinions, yeah. but for me, Galecci was fantastic. Um, yeah, I mean, I know, I think he gave the ball away for the third goal. I think that was possibly the only thing I can pick up on. I think it was him who gave the ball away. It was, yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah, but the, re- the rest of his game, he, he, he looked threatening right from the start. He had those long-distance shots. And, I mean, his finish for the first goal was fantastic. And it was a good finish for the second one as well. And, you know, it, 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 it's, it's easy to pick up on the on the bad things and the, and the negative things, Dan. But for, on a positive note, Jamie's going for a difficult spell at the moment. We know that. But... With Galecci uh, in the form that he's in, that's a real positive going into next week's game. Yeah, good evening to those of you listening, by the way, and those of you commenting uh, on Facebook. Craig Bennett, a usual listener, says King Nacho is our hero at the moment. And certainly don't disagree with that one here. Uh, Kevin Robinson, though, Jerry asks, and it's quite a harsh question, but it's a fair one at the same time. Why wait until 3-0 down to start performing? Yeah. I'm sure they won't have done that by choice, obviously, but it... it well, I think after the game's done, isn't it? So you relax and you you can just, you know, I'm not going to say, I'm not saying you can relax, but I think as far as the result is concerned, you know, the pressure's off when it gets to 3-0. At 2-0, you're always in the game at 3-0. Then, you know, you could say the game's gone. Uh, and, and, and I have to say, you know, Half an hour in or half an hour till the end, that's when Tielemann starts getting on the ball and starts threading passes and linking the play and running the show. You know, and it's just so unlike Yuri this season. And, you know, if he'd have been doing that from the beginning of the game, because the opportunity was there for him. There's no, there's no doubt in my mind that, you know, the opportunity was there with, you know, West Ham's midfield. And also Czech's a good player, but Mark Noble hasn't got the legs that he used to have. And, we just didn't capitalise on that in the first half. And then you see the second half, uh, after we're 3-0 down, we start playing some lovely football. And you're scratching your head by the end of the game because another five minutes, there probably would have been an equaliser. But there wasn't another five minutes on the clock. <laughs> the clock was up. <laughs> it was simple as that. Mm. And, uh, we spoke a lot before the game, didn't we, Jerry, about which midfield maybe would, would win the battle and then yeah. that team would, would win the game. Neither midfielders in midfields rather in, in any way kind of did boss it, did they? I, I think back to the West Ham goals, a lot of them obviously were on the break, weren't they? And Well, the first goal, no, Masuaku does really well. Mm. You know, and you, you can question uh, Ricardo's defending. You know, does he work hard enough to stop the cross? But it's a good ball from Masuaku and obviously he's... Sue fouls on the other side. He picks out uh, Lingard on the edge of the box. And as Tony said, it's a great finish. Mm. No matter what way you look at it. They hit it first time. Yes, it goes into the ground and spins a bit. But it hits the back of the net. And he, he takes his chance. You know, he buys a ticket. And, and you know, he wins the lottery there. So, yeah. Uh, so, that goal. Yeah, the second, the second goal is... Defensively, you've got to ask questions of the three centre-halves. Uh... You know, trying to play a high line, trying to play offside, and unfortunately they got it wrong. So there, there's the second goal sort of was bypassed, bypassed the midfield. It was a longer ball, I think, from Sufal again, or, or one of the centre halves, maybe, maybe Sufal, I think it was, and it was just a long ball over the top, and no one tracked on straight run. You know, not a fancy run. It was a well-timed run by Bowen, you have to say, but other than that, nothing spectacular about it. Just the defending side of it, the positional side of Fafana was a was out of position. He was the wrong side of Bowen. When you when the ball goes out to the fullback, it's a centre half. So when Sufal gets a ball, if it was him who played it, as a centre half, you have to get space side as a centre half, especially in a three as well, because then that carries up should carry your the middle centre half, who was Johnny Evans. He should automatically then shift across to keep the gaps the same between each centre-half, and that didn't happen. 
So Fafana was out of position. He left the line. So the ball down the line was on for Bowen. And Fafana should have been across the other side of Bowen, ready for that ball. We spoke a lot before the game, Tony, obviously, about Jesse Lingard. He's, he's been in scintillating form. We've been talking about Ian Acho's form. Lingard's uh, very, very similar in, in that sense. He's, he's been a revelation, hasn't he, since signing in, in January. And, and sometimes when you're coming up against a player like that who's in the form that he's in, you, you wouldn't expect it. A player to score in, in the manner that he scored because it is such a it is a brilliant goal, yeah. isn't it? That that first one. Yeah, it is, and yeah, I mean, it's not a pure strike, but technically, it's a fantastic strike because he just curls it around the defender. And you know, it, since he's arrived at West Ham, he's he's been probably the the best performer in the Premier League. So you know, it's it's not it wasn't a surprise what we saw yesterday, and the Leicester defender shouldn't have been surprised by. Giving him so much room, if he's you know if he's in room on the edge of the box, he's capable of putting him in the back of the net, which we've seen in previous games. And then Tags has just described that second goal really well about you know the the poor defensive uh, work from Leicester, and it's just I think it's just frustrating when it's just a long ball down, you know, sort of almost it wasn't fump forward, but it's a long ball played forward, and everyone's out of position. And you know, I mean, Casper probably done the right thing to come out to try and get to the ball. But, you know, it, it was such an easy goal for Jess Lingard. But, you know, Leicester should have been aware of him. You can't give him... It's, it's not just Lingard. If you're coming up against any form, whether it's Harry Kane or Aguero, whoever it might be, you know the players that are in form and you can't give them space. And sadly, that's what Leicester did in half. And to, to concede, you know, the two goals, you know, one just before half time, And then more importantly, Dan, I think the killer goal was that third goal, wasn't it? And, you know, as I said, they gave the ball away. And West Ham, there was some crisp passes, etc. But, you know, poor old Brendan, he does his team talk at half time. He tells the lads what they're doing, what they're not doing. You try and correct all what was wrong in the first half. And then you concede that third goal. And as Tags quite rightly say, coming back from 2-0, it, it, it happens a lot in the Premier League. But 3-0 is very, very difficult. Yeah, I wonder if part of the halftime team talk from Brendan Rodgers will have been looking at what's happened to West Ham in the last couple of games, yeah. Jerry. Obviously, letting a three-goal lead slip against Arsenal, almost letting a three-goal lead slip against Wolves. Mm -hmm. Separate point, that's a worrying thing for David Moyes, the fact it's happened three times in a row. But but do you think that was part of maybe the, the talk at halftime was that they, they've let teams back into the games when they shouldn't recently, we can do it. Which is why it's extra disappointing that they conceded literally straight after the break. Uh, it definitely would have been mentioned, I, I would have thought. Uh, the players probably would have known anyway, looking at the results. I'm sure to keep an eye on the results. But I think, you know, the main, the main body of the talk at halftime is we need to get a hold. We need to get a hold of the ball in midfield. We need the link player to be better between the midfield and the front players. Uh, our runs need to be better. I thought the runs were... From the forward players, and I, I, you know, obviously the changes were made, but Dennis Pratt, uh, too many straight runs. There was a lot of space in the wide areas for me yesterday because obviously you'd have, uh, oh, what's his name, the left sided centre half for West Ham? Cresswell. Cresswell. Cresswell, that's the guy. So he was make, he was getting, he was bombing forward, mm. and he was always looking to get forward up alongside Masawaku. So there was a lot of space, especially down there. And again, they didn't utilise. So the space on both sides of West Ham's back line were down the sides. And Dennis Pratt, for me, probably should have, you know, widened the pitch more and made more runs down the, down the sides. Because obviously when you've got two centre-forwards up top and then you've got an attacking midfielder making the same runs or one's coming short and then Dennis is trying to get over the, over the top, probably getting in the way of Jamie or vice versa... And it just congests that space. And what you've seen was a lot of West Ham bodies in the way there, whereas definitely the space is right wide. And once or twice it got down the right and left-hand side. I think Castagna and Ricardo both got down in the first half. OK, nothing came of it. But when that link play between the midfield and the forward players, you know, when you're in that slow build-up, precise build-up play, then there was an opportunity for Tim to widen the pitch and, and expose West Ham's weaknesses down the flanks. Before we hear from Brendan Rodgers, Jerry, there's a few people talking about Mark Albrighton's performance off the bench. Now, Dean Hammond, Tony, did give uh, the man of the match to Kelechi Iheanacho so he can stay on your Christmas card list. But Mark Albrighton probably would have been close, Jerry, wouldn't he, for, for um, that little cameo in the second half? That's why he's invaluable, Mark Albrighton. You know, he doesn't always have the best game in the world. He's not always the most outstanding player, but what he gives you is an invalu 
is invaluable to the team over the course of a season. And yesterday epitomises what Mark Albrighton brings to the Leicester City Football Club. I mean, just tireless work, quality from wide areas, you know, linking up. We talk, I talked about the wide areas. You know, him and Ricardo in that second half really got the grips and really exposed West Ham's weaknesses down that left-hand side uh, and caused all kinds of problems from the minute he was on the pitch. Yeah, and it very nearly resulted in a Leicester City equaliser. Unfortunately, uh, it didn't and it did end in defeat. So let's hear from uh, Leicester manager then, Brendan Rodgers, speaking after the game. We were, were very poor from, a, from the goals we conceded um, in that first 55 minutes to 60 minutes. Um, we didn't start well enough. You know, our, our idea is to go into the game and play with an intent and impose our way into the game, but it was too slow with the ball and we weren't tight enough and aggressive enough when we when we had the ball. So, uh, so yeah, we, we didn't start well at all. And then at the start of the second half, obviously, you made the change. What was the thinking in that? And I guess there was huge frustration to concede immediately after it. Mm, yeah, yeah, well, we, I felt we needed a little bit more balance. Uh, Tim does a really good job for us on the on the left side, but you don't quite get the penetration from him. So we moved him uh, over to over to the right, and I just felt that uh, that Luke would give us a bit of balance, a bit more balance in the in the game with his left side, and we can play forward more. We're playing back too much, uh, and then I thought Mark coming into the game as well. I thought he was he was excellent, gave us an intensity and and enthusiasm in the game. Yeah, you seem like a real game-changer, and with that said, you're disappointed you've not taken anything from the game in the end, given the chances towards the end? Yeah, I think for the, the last uh, 30 minutes or, or second half or after the goal, we, we were good, but it's something that, uh, yeah, it's always easy to play when you're 3-0 down. I, I don't look so much at that yet. You get the goal back, two very good goals from Kells. I'm more looking at the players and analysing, like Sir Yuri Tillemans from the first whistle, he wanted to take the ball, he wanted to pass the ball, he showed a courage, he showed a bravery, and he defended very well. So, um, so yeah, we, we could have got something from the game, but, um, but certainly our first hour of the game, we didn't deserve it. Did the group need picking up after that? Yeah, listen, it's always disappointing. I think when you don't perform well, uh, then, uh, then of course, we, uh, we will be disappointed. But that's my job. 24 hours, you're always hugely disappointed when you lose a game. And now we've got to get back in, uh, yeah, get back and uh, regroup. And then we've got a great semi final next weekend. Well, that's what I was going to say. It's the cup next weekend. Would you prefer a league game to get this one out of your system, or do you not look at no, it like that? No, not at all. No, next game, it's always the opportunity to do that. So we, uh, we can go into there uh, next weekend. Difficult game again, but we're going to play a team that. Uh, as I said, we'll be aggressive, so we need to be able to match that first and foremost, and then our quality comes through. Uh, Brendan Rogers there speaking to James Field, and after the game yesterday, uh, there hasn't been a goal yet in the early kickoff in the Premier League that's taking place at the moment at the Hawthorns. It's West Brom nil, uh, Southampton nil. By all accounts, there's been a, a bit of controversy involving VAR. Uh, which is quite convenient because in the background there. Uh, quite convenient because we'll talk a, a little bit about VAR uh, maybe later on because there's been a few contentious decisions uh, this weekend. Uh, we heard from Brendan Rogers there, though, Tony talking obviously about that, that game in, in the FA Cup coming up. And it, it is a chance and it is a different competition. So I guess a bit of a distraction from what happened yesterday. But th there's an awful lot of lessons, as Jerry's reference, to learn from that game yesterday. Yeah, and it was interesting listening to the manager. What, what I do like about Brendan is you, you get honesty and you get a fair assessment. I can't stand it when you get managers coming on saying, oh, yeah, we played really well. We was yeah, we was the better team and everything. I mean, you don't get that from Brendan. You don't you don't get him inventing things or pretending or trying to pull the wall over the fans' eyes. You get honesty. And he was, he was honest and he was quite right. For that first 60 minutes of the game, you know, Leicester just weren't at the races. And... You know, as Tags has already touched on, you cannot be like that in any Premier League game, I and mean, you certainly cannot be like that in an FA Cup semi-final. So, uh, I think although he would definitely would have been pleased with the performance from from 60 minutes onwards in terms of getting the goals back and how Leicester played, I think he'll be slightly concerned at the manner in which the team started the game. And you know, they've got to put that right. You know, there's no greater incentive than to play in an FA Cup semi-final, and they've just got to make sure that they're prepared for it. Forget about what went on in the, the previous game. It doesn't matter. It's over and done with now. Concentrate on Southampton coming up at the weekend. If they can get the result and get to the final, all is forgiven. 
Well, I think that's a good point, Jerry. You're nodding mm. along. Sorry? I said you're nodding along. Yeah, absolutely. You, you have to put it out of your mind now. It's gone. And there's there's too much to look forward to. There's too much at stake right in front of Leicester City for them to dwell on uh, that performance and that defeat to West Ham. You know, they're still in a good position, obviously, in the league. Their semi-finals, you know, quickly coming up on the rails and... You know, you have to switch your mindset. Yes, as Brendan said, 24 hours, you'll be disappointed. Uh, you'll analyse, you'll point fingers, you do what you have to do as a manager and as a group of players, and then it's full steam ahead into Sunday's game. But as as we've already spoken about and, and touched upon, the momentum that they, they've gained from that last 20 minutes or so, and, and particularly, obviously, the confidence collector in after Well, in, yeah, that's the, that's the main thing that will come out of it, and it's a learning. It, it, it was a game where... I'm not. I'm not saying there's lots of positives to take out of it, but definitely there's a lot to learn from it. There are positives. There are positives to take, but like you said, I there's said, more negatives to learn from in a way. Yeah, it's more of a game to learn from yeah. than to take positives out of it. The positives are Kalachi banging in two goals, uh, Mark Albrighton having a, ga- a great game, and obviously Yuri finding his feet in the game and controlling the midfield for the last half hour. Yes, that's good, but. As Brendan says, you know, for the first hour, they didn't deserve the, anything f- from the game because of what happened in the first hour. And you can't really argue with that assessment. Yeah, Dean Sanders on uh, on Facebook just says, you move on from it uh, and come on Leicester as well. Obviously, he's he'll be cheering them on. Uh, clearly, in, in the FA Cup semi-final next weekend, we'll talk about that game in detail as well as the FA Cup a little bit later on in extra time. But but let's talk about Kelechi and Acho for the moment, Tony, because the two goals, very different goals, obviously, and two goals you'd have been very proud of as well, I'm sure. Well, yeah, I mean, I think the first one was a bit far out for me, Dan, to be honest. It was a, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't want to say it. <laughs> and on the left foot as well. I don't think I would have hit it with my left foot like, with that much power. Maybe with my right foot, I might have got an occasional one. But um, no, it was just, it was it was a fantastic goal. And you just, you know, it just fell to the right person, didn't it? A nice little turn and then he's just cracked it. He hits it early. The goalkeeper can't get set. His power, there's a bit of dip on the ball as well. And it was just... One of them where it's got you, when it when you hit it you go wow what a goal and it, it was it was a fantastic goal and that that's what comes through confidence that's what comes through the, the sheer hard work that he's put in over the last what it's probably a couple of months now since he sort of you know got back in, in contention with playing the team and as I've said before and I'll repeat it again you know he's got that place now and you know he you can't say that he's the first choice striker in front of Jamie Vardy, because I think that would be unfair on Jamie. But he's certainly in that team now. He's in there to stay. His performances have rewarded him in, in a, a sustained spell in the team. And that's what you need as a, as a as a forward, not just as a forward, but any player at any club. You need a run of games. And if you get a run of games, you get your fitness, you get your sharpness. And then if you then start scoring goals, which he has been, you get unbelievable confidence and you know I, I, I thought he was by far Leicester's best player for his two finishes even the second goal was a it was a, divi- a difficult finish because it's almost gone through a few bodies but he gets a really good connection on it and you know he, he just wanted the ball to fall at his feet right? because mm. you knew that if it did then there was much more chance of scoring with Kelechi on the ball like everyone else you, you're sort of hoping they might get a goal but with Kelechi as soon as he gets it you think there's a chance there's going to be a goal. Yeah, he rose an interesting point there, Tony, didn't he? About first choice, second choice, whatever mm. it might be. They're both first choice at the moment, aren't they? Because of the, the formation that Brendan Rodgers is playing at the moment. Yeah. There are two of them up front. It's it's a case of they, they both play at the moment. Absolutely. It's, it's you know, obviously, uh, I'm changing the system slightly with all Brighton coming on. Uh Gives him a bit of a headache going into the game. Does he stick with a back three? Does he, does he go to a back four? And does he keep two up front? Because at the minute, you know, you can't drop the two lads up front. And if he does, which ones he going to drop? You know, that's they're big questions, him. Because uh, we know he doesn't like to play four four two, but it worked yesterday. Uh, uh, he, he he likes the three centre halves. He likes to have that solid base. You know, he likes to have, you know, a solid base where he's got five defensively minded players in the half of the pitch and obviously five attacking minded players in the other half of the pitch at least, with five or six, depending on where Tillemans is. 
So, yeah, it's and I, I don't think I've ever seen Brendan Rodgers play 4-4-2 from the start of a game. So it'll be interesting to see how, you know, he goes into the game with Southampton because Southampton are going to work hard. There's no doubt about that. Uh, we see, we've seen that when they came here. They they worked their socks off. Uh, okay, they didn't win the game, but, you know, it was a, it was a tough old night. You know, it was a fairly even-staving game. Mm-hmm. Well, they only scored the second right at the very end. Yeah, absolutely. So... Uh, You'd expect that you know if they don't show up as regards to their work ethic, that could be a difficult afternoon. But I'm sure they will. Right, one more interview then from the Leicester City dressing room following that disappointing defeat yesterday comes from Ricardo Pereira. Ricardo, was it a case of the fact that the damage was done in the first half in this yeah, game? Yeah, for sure. Uh, when you go to the halftime losing two 0 and you take a goal after the halftime, it's difficult to come back uh, with that score. Uh, it's our fault, especially in the first half, and we have to to do better. Obviously, the third goal came right at the start of the second half. That must have been a big disappointment because after that you played really, really well. Yeah, of course. Uh, it's, we talked at halftime. The, the next goal would be huge. If we score first, uh, we go 2-1, and um, for them it's a little bit difficult when you take a goal after the halftime. Unfortunately, they score first, and that made everything more harder for us. It was a big match, you know, in terms of qualifying for the Champions League. Of course, you're still in third place. Nothing is lost yet. But what was the mood like and what did the manager say in the dressing room afterwards? It's disappointing, most of all. Uh, we showed that we could play well. Uh, we showed in the second half. But uh, at the same time, you know, it's our fault and we have to do better, especially in the first half. Uh, we have the quality to do it, but we didn't. So we have to learn from that and do better in the next, next week. Next game is in the FA Cup instead of the league. Would you prefer a league game to kind of put these wrongs right, or would you no, like? No, it's to... the same. Uh, we have to face every game with the same desire, with the same ambition. So it's not that important which game it's going to be or which competition. Uh, the, the, the picture that was on on the screen for those of you that were watching, obviously, was that one where Ricardo nearly went round Fabianski, Tony. That that was a big moment again in the game, wasn't it? That I think that was at three-one, but it would have been three-two a lot earlier had that gone in. Ricardo could maybe have hit it slightly early. You could see what he was maybe trying to do, go around the keeper, get the contact, but he just couldn't get that touch past Fabianski. Yeah, I think that was the, the one situation where you wanted either the two centre-forwards mm. on the ball, really, because I think it, whether it was Jamie or, or, or Kelechi, I think they would have possibly got the shot in, hit it a bit earlier. Or the other thing that forwards learn, and you only learn it through experience and playing lots and lots of games, is you learn to get a little touch on the ball when you wait for the keeper to to clean you out, which I'm sure he would have done. And it, it, it just, I don't know, it was just one of them situations where it was, I think he's a wonderful player, Ricardo, we know that, but it was just, the, it was the wrong player that in that situation. I think you needed one of the centre forwards on it. They maybe would have got a penalty or maybe would have hit the shot early and perhaps got the goal. And then once you, if you get that goal a little bit earlier, it just would have really, really helped Leicester, you know, because like the goal, Obviously, the second goal just came far too late, even though they did have that chance with Fafana at the end. And there was a couple of other chances as well. So they did create chances, Leicester. There's no doubt about it. And that was probably one of the best ones that they had with Ricardo. You were almost shouting shoot, weren't you, at the television? We were watching it in in the studio here, weren't we? And and you thought when he'd taken the first touch that there was an opportunity to shoot. He just didn't quite get it out of his feet, though. Yeah, I think, you know, Tony's right. It's It's an instinctive decision that centre-forwards make in those situations uh, is to take the shot early. And I think that's probably was his best option. You know, Fabianski, I think, does really well to get, you know, two good hands. And he says, yes, you could have knocked the ball, just kicked the ball at pace past the keeper and then gone over with a touch of the keeper. Be basically just booting it out for a goal kick to try and get a penalty. So... It's an instinctive decision, and and in those areas, if you if you if you've not, you know, if you've not sort of grown up playing a centre forward role, or, and you've got literally a tenth of a second to make your mind up, and if you don't make the right decision, that's a, which Ricardo. I'm not saying he made the wrong decision, but he could have been caught between two minds because it was on his left foot, not as a stronger right foot. So he thinks, okay, I'll go round the keeper, then I'll pass it in with my left foot. And by that time, Fabianski's committed himself to making, you know, going down, getting the two hands on it, which he does, he does well. So it's an instinctive decision. You don't, it's not even a thought process. And I think that was a, the difference with uh, Ricardo. He, he thinks about it 
slightly too long and then in the end nothing really happens where a centre forward uh, with confidence playing in that position just sees the ball and thinks shoot bang don't even well he don't even say he don't even think shoot he just shoots and he just drags it back to the far corner it's in the back of the net Right, final word on, on the Premier League for now then, Tony, before we start looking at the FA Cup. Um, I mean, for the neutrals, it was the perfect result, wasn't it, yesterday? Now just four points separate Leicester in third to, to Liverpool in sixth. There's Everton all the way down in eighth that have got two games in hand that could go within three points of Leicester as well. So it's going to be a very, very interesting last, what, seven games of the, the Premier League to go. Yeah, I think it's going to be where all the action is, isn't it? I mean, you know, at the moment, you're looking at the relegation uh, race, it, it, you know, with the three teams down there, unless there's sort of some dramatic results, you, you feel that the teams, the three teams are going to be going down. You look at who's going to win the Premier League and that's already over, isn't it? Pretty much done and dusted. And you look at Manchester United in that second position, they're seven points clear of Leicester. So you expect Manchester United to retain that second position. But the, the race for third and fourth is up for grabs. And, and you're quite right. It, and, you know, anyone down to Everton, Everton all the way at Brighton tonight, if they win that game in hand, then they're going to be pushing back up. They go to 50 points and, you know, they'll feel they've got a chance. We're still with a game in hand. So, you know, I, I think it's going to be fascinating. There's some big, big games coming up. I know West Ham have got to play Chelsea. I know Leicester have got some tough games towards the end of the season, haven't they? So the teams have got to play each other around them. And when you're playing the teams around you, it's great if you get the result, not obviously if you don't get the result. And, you know, the, the teams that aren't playing in that game, they, they then look to get the three points and hope for a draw. So I think there's going to be lots of twists and turns. I still think we've got to be positive. Leicester are still in a fantastic position. If you'd have said, start the season, we're going to get to the middle of April, Leicester are going to be third in the Premier League and they're going to be in the FA Cup semi-final. We'd have all gone, thanks very much. We'll have some of that. And that's exactly where we are. So, yes, it was disappointing in terms of losing to West Ham, but... Keep it in perspective. It's still been a great season so far. Yeah, absolutely. Wise words there from uh, Tony Cotty speaking on Extra Time here on LCFC Radio. Uh, right, let's do our Who's the Fox feature. If, you, if you're new to this show, basically we put a picture up on the screen of a Leicester City player, but he's been kind of blanked out or blurred out and you've got to tell us uh, who it is. Uh, Jerry and Tony, don't guess yet, please. This is one for uh, everybody who's listening in to have a little go. Um, but yeah, there it is. Fairly easy one this week, Jerry. Uh, I'd have thought so, yeah. yeah. I yeah, think I even I know. <laughs> <laughs> Tony Cotty might be getting his, his first ever Who's the Fox, potentially, um, here on uh, on LCFC Radio. Yeah, so we'll, we'll leave it on for a little bit longer for those of you to get your uh, guesses in. Um, we've already had one correct one from Fee Howe on Facebook Fee. and from Antonis as well. She's so. a super fan, is Fee. Yeah, everybody's going to get it this week. Um, well done to Richard as well. You've got it correct. We'll come back to that and, and get the answer, though, a little bit later on. Um, a confident start from Jerry and Tony in terms of the uh, the guessing of that. Will it be the same in our extra time teasers? Come on, um, then. Tony, as ever, whoever's listening on Zoom gets to pick if they want pot one or pot two. Pot two, please, then. Pot two for Tony. Pot one for Jerry. Right, Jerry, you can go first, then. Um, how many Premier League goals does Kelechi Iheanacho now have this season? Ten. That one passes over to Tony Cotty. Chance to steal the point. I think it might be a little bit less now. Um, I don't know the answer, but I'm going to guess eight. <laughs> well stolen, Tony Cotty. Really good start for you there. Get. <laughs> um, right, Tony. Boom. Yeah, boom. <laughs> I think I think you'll get this one as well, Tony. Um, who had a goal disallowed for Manchester United yesterday, but later went on to score? Oh, uh, do you know what I? I, I oh, went on to score. Uh, I didn't watch the first half, Dan. I watched the second half. I know the two goal scorers, I think, were Fred and Cavani. Uh, I thought it was McTominay, but I don't know. I, I'll have to guess one of them two because you said... Did you say it was one that goal, went on to score a goal? You did, didn't you? Well, yep. Yeah, yeah, the question simply is who had a goal disallowed. All right. Uh, Cavani. 
you, you, you yeah, might as well it, have I just mean, given the bloody the question the question almost is yeah. a bit of a clue in the question i, I need i need a ju- i need a judgment on this from from <laughs> that's not the question red the, the yeah. production that is yeah it was it was a foul by mctominay in the build-up to oh, the cavani goal right. but it was cavani who had that one disallowed tony's two nil up already and jerry target sat across from me isn't happy. not happy at all isn't happy <laughs> right fast forward seven o'clock for me so i can get out of the studio uh, next to jerry he's, um, he's basically put it on a plate and he's actually feeding it to you told the answer there that's what he's just done. Whereas mine was a lot harder. I had a properly it was, hard. It, it was, but they might even themselves out later on. Right. Um, but Make sure they do. You've got some evening out to do because it's 2-0 in, in the scoreline as well anyway. Um, right, FA Cup semi-final. The small matter of the FA Cup semi-final with mm-hmm. Southampton. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Next week, Jerry Taggart, how are you feeling ahead of that one? We're just under a oh, week away now. I'm really, really looking forward to it. You know, it's a great opportunity. Oh, Deary me. You know, playing at Wembley, all right. Probably, me and Tony will probably agree on this. That we probably don't think it should be played at Wembley. It should be played at one of the bigger regional stadiums. I agree. Yeah, uh, like it used to be done. But it is at Wembley. It is, you know, a great stadium, a great place to go. Obviously, well, there w- is there some fans in? I think there's some fans in, isn't there? Some spectators. So spectators, in. yeah. yeah. Not so they're fans, not necessarily yeah. fans. Yeah, they're not Leicester City yeah. fans or Southampton fans, but... It, it'll still add to the atmosphere, that's for sure. I'm sure the players will be really looking forward to that as well. Uh, but yeah, fantastic. Well, if you're not excited about an FA Cup semi-final, I don't know. Simple as that, really. Yeah. But yeah, I can't wait. You've had some support, by the way, on, on our comments on Facebook. Barrett says, I agree with you, Tags, that's favouritism. Yeah, you're right. Cheers, Barrett. Get a few of your mates as well. We might get that decision overturned, my friend. Where's where's the block <laughs> button? Where's the block button? Get rid of Barrett there on there. <laughs> um, yeah, Tony, big game, isn't it, against Southampton on, on Sunday? And it, it, because of Leicester's record in the FA Cup, obviously more finals than anyone else without winning. It becomes even bigger, doesn't it? Because it, it it's such an opportunity against Southampton, who who have had a really good FA Cup campaign themselves. That I know they're currently playing at the moment. Still nil. Oh, they're now two nil down. Actually, two very quick fire goals wow. uh, for West Brom. So, so Southampton mm-hmm. themselves might be going into that game um, similarly low on confidence. What, what do you reckon, Tony? It's, it's a massive one, isn't it, on Sunday? Yeah, it's a massive game. I'm looking forward to it. Um, I'm confident that Leicester can get through. I, I don't think the problems uh, have been the semi-finals for Leicester in the FA Cup. I think it's been the finals, mm-hmm. hasn't it? So, uh, but you deal with each step as it comes. But you know, I, I, I spoke about earlier about you know players maybe having their minds on the semi-final. Perhaps that applies to Southampton tonight. You know, they're in. They're, they're not going to get relegated. They've done enough to stay in the Premier League. They know they've got a massive game coming up at the weekend. So it, it, it almost isn't a surprise that they're losing tonight. But uh, anyway, that's irrelevant. From a Leicester's point of view, it's go out and enjoy yourself game, isn't it? I mean, if you, as Tag said, if you can't enjoy an FA Cup semi-final, playing at the National Stadium, one of the best stadiums in Europe, you know, it's, it's a fantastic arena. You know, you don't get too many opportunities to play at that stadium. Your career goes so quickly. If you're lucky, you get a 20-year career. You blink and it's gone. And if you get the opportunity to go and play at Wembley, you have to make the most of it. And, you know, the players nowadays, I agree with Tags, I, you know, I don't think that they should be at uh, Wembley, the semi-finals. But, you know, if you get the opportunity to play twice at Wembley, you've got to take that with both hands. And, you know, one thing's for sure, Leicester have got to start better than what they did against West Ham yesterday. You know, they've got to be at it. They've got to be on their game. But hopefully they'll get their inspiration just through purely getting on that bus, getting off at Wembley, going into the changing rooms, looking at the pitch before the game. Yeah, it's such a shame that the fans can't be there to share it. We all know that. But they've got to make the most of this opportunity that they've given themselves. Yeah, if, if things stay the way they are at the Hawthorns, it'll be a similar team talk for Ralph Parson, who yeah. does it will for, for Brendan Rodgers as well. Make sure they start better than what they did in their last Premier League game. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's the old boot up the backside that, you know, <laughs> both teams probably need. I, I don't know. But, you know, we know Leicester have the better quality than Southampton. You know, that would probably... Have been the the team when the names were pulled out of the hat that Leicester would want to face uh, in in this tie. You know, give themselves the best opportunity to get to get to a cup final. Now, that's not to say that come Sunday Southampton don't come flying out of the blocks and you know and cause an, a bit of an upset. But as, as far as Leicester concerned, they know they've got the beatings of of Southampton. Uh, 
well, we all know that. But, uh, you know, they have to go out and do it. You know, Southampton on Sunday aren't just going to roll over and let, let us tickle their bellies, that's for sure. So it's all about the attitude. You know, we know we have the quality in the team. We've seen it throughout the season. Uh, the league position says so. So we just have to go there and we have to perform because Southampton will turn up, you would expect, uh, but we have the better quality. Yeah, bit, bit, bit of a wild theory that that's just come into my head, Tony. Um, but I, there might be some credence to it. But Southampton, obviously, similar to Leicester, haven't had too many Wembley trips recently. If, if maybe you'd come up against the likes of Chelsea and Manchester City, yes, it's obviously the semi-final of an FA Cup and it's a, it's a big deal. But the, the whole Wembley allure maybe isn't quite the same to them in, in terms of you know really wanting to go out there and perform at Wembley. Whereas for Southampton, a lot of those players obviously won't have played at Wembley. Certainly not... Recently, I know they got to a League Cup final a couple of years ago, maybe three or four years ago. So the team's changed since then. Maybe similar to Leicester, there's a lot of Southampton players that will be thinking, Mark, this is Wembley. We're going to really go out there and, and put a performance in. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, listen, I've said how excited the Leicester players should be, but you know that will apply to Southampton as well, Dan. You know, they, they're going to, you know, they, if their minds are not on the league game tonight, then they've got justification for that, really, because. You know, they've, they've had a, a, an indifferent season again, haven't they? They've lost 9-0 for the second season running, you know, and it's, it's there's been some incredible results that they've had. Uh, and yet on their day, you know, as we've seen, they're, they're capable of beating some of the top teams as well. So, you know, they'll be looking forward to it. And it, it, it it's it's one of those days, you know, I was lucky to have the experience of playing in the semi-final, albeit at Villa Park, but, you know, playing in that FA Cup and you, you look forward to it. It's what you what you dream of as a kid, probably more so than, you know, when me and Tags were younger than what the young kids now will be dreaming of. But, you know, the FA Cup semi-final is still a great opportunity. Both teams will be looking at it saying that you could argue two of the form teams at the moment in the Premier League are Chelsea and Man City. One of them's going to get knocked out in a one-off game. If you could get through that semi-final, Southampton or Leicester, you've got a chance. You know, who would have said that Wigan would have beat Man City? What was it, eight years ago, whatever it was? You know, no one would have predicted that result in the final. So it can be done, um, but both teams will really, really look forward to it and, you know, look forward to that game and try and get your place in the final and then you can look forward to it right at the end of the season. Uh, you, you touched upon it a little bit there, so it's a nice little segue, Tony, in, in terms of when you were growing up watching the FA Cup. We've asked both you and Jerry to think of some of maybe your earliest memories of, of the FA Cup or certainly striking memories when you were kids of, of the FA Cup. And what, what have you got? What have you thought of? Well, I'll go back to my earliest days as a fan, really. And, and as I said, like for me, you grew up and that Saturday experience of watching them all on the bus and the fans arriving and all the things that... So, people of a certain generation talk about, you know, I used to love all that. I, I think the earliest cup final I can remember really was the, the 1970, bearing in mind I was born in 65. So I was around about seven or eight when uh, Sunderland beat Leeds in 1973. And we had that, uh, sadly, we lost Peter Lorimer recently, didn't we? And had that double save from Jim Montgomery and Bob Stoko running across the pitch with his hat and his back on. And, you know, I, for me as an eight-year-old, I'm going, wow, what a game that was. Bearing in mind, Leeds were such, such strong favourites. Um, and then if you wind forward a couple of years, West Ham then beat Fulham in the 75 FA Cup final. And um, I went to the quarterfinals as a fan. I went to the semifinals as a fan. I was only 10 years of age. And then, of course, the final, I couldn't get tickets for it. So I had to watch it at home and, you know, for West Ham to win the cup, my team to win the cup was was fantastic for me as a ten year old. So I think they're the sort of memories as a fan that I I, I, I just love everything about the FA Cup. So when I became a footballer, then my the, the one thing I wanted to do was play in the FA Cup final. We, you know, yeah, of course you want to win the league and you want to play in Europe, you want to play for your country. But the main thing for me was to play in an FA Cup final. FA Cup final. I'm pleased to say, obviously in 1989, I achieved that, even though we lost the game to Liverpool. How proud were you that day then, Tony? I did, obviously, I guess you, you did lose the game, but as you said, it had been your dream as, as a kid to play in the FA Cup final and you did when you were walking out. Yeah, how, how proud were you? Oh, I was very proud, but you know, it was it was difficult because obviously it was the year of Hillsborough and you know we was playing in the other semi-final and uh, Villa Park and Hillsborough was happening at the same time. And, you know, up after the game, all what went on and we'll know what happened historically at Hillsborough so it made it um, 
uh, a, a very unique cup final. And then, for, of course, for, I was playing at Everton at the time to play Liverpool in the final, Merseyside final. It was it was a difficult occasion. There's no doubt about that. But I, you know, to walk out and play in an FA Cup final and the roar of the crowd as you walk up that long tunnel at the old Wembley, it was just an amazing game. And you know, it was. It, it wasn't a particularly good game, but there was lots of goals towards the end and in extra time. And Liverpool won three two in the end. And I think most people would probably say that it was, you know, right that Liverpool won it in the Hillsborough year. But from my point of view, I, I, I had a poor game, Dan. That's the only problem. And you look back and think, you know, I wish I'd have played much better in that final. But I did achieve the ambition that I set out as a kid to do. How about you then, Jerry? As, as a as a kid growing up, the FA Cup. What did yeah, you mean the, to you? The West Ham it? final. It was it eerie. Yeah, see, yeah, nineteen eighty. Yeah, remember that one. Uh, the other one of was the Ricky Villa goal in the. Was it eighty one, eighty two? That one. Eighty one, yeah. Eighty one, yeah. So then, and then, was that the Maisie run? Was it the Maisie run? Yeah. Ricky yeah. Villa goal that gets replayed in the FA Cup. You know, against Manchester City. I'm sure it was as well. And I also remember. I think it was the Alan Sunderland winner. Was it? TC, remind me, please. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. I open, no, I open, any questions of the FA Cup? It's my specialty subject, 1979. 1979. 1979. I, I wasn't sure it was 78 or 79. Yeah. Uh, because I think, did Nipswich win it? In it was, it said, I've just Googled it, yes. It says 1979, yeah. Yeah, so that was, that was, there are the three that stick out in my mind because that was a tense game, the Alan Sunderland late winner, bang. Then obviously the West Ham won. Uh, Trevor Brickham was obviously playing in yeah. that. And... The young centre forward, Miller, was it? Not Miller. What's his the name? Who? who was the centre forward? The seventeen year old kid for West Ham. Paul Allen. Paul Allen, that was it. Paul Allen, yeah. Yeah, so I remember that. But obviously the rookie vehicle sort of stands out. And the two ones a bit later that I, I watched when I was a bit older was the, the Coventry against Spurs final. Which was a great final. I mean, that was a great yeah. day. Uh, that was a 3-2. Coventry won that day. I think that was 86, 87, something like that there. And the Paul Gascoigne final as well for Tottenham against uh, Nottingham Forest. Wasn't, didn't they beat Arsenal in the semi-final when he scored a free kick from about 35 yeah, yards? Say, yeah. And, yeah. and then yeah. the FA Cup final was his last game for Tottenham before he went to Italy. And he did, yeah. his, he did his cruise ship in a challenge on the edge of the Forest box and that was him out for a full year. So he had the, had to delay signing for Lazio for a year because he, he he injured himself really badly in that cup final. Is that the the, the quote where he, he says he's got to get his suit measured as well when he scored the, the free kick? Is that that one? Yeah. It might be against yeah, the I mean, So there's an FA Cup final that, yeah. that stood out because, again, you know, that was a really, really tight game. And then Gaza pops up with this unbelievable free kick and... When he was lining it up, you think there's no way he can score from there. Absolutely no way. David Seaman and that. And what does he do? He just blasts it into the top ends like 35, <laughs> 30, 35 yards. Unbelievable free kick. And an FA Cup semi-final. Boom. Yeah, and then the, the Alan Sunderland Arsenal one, as you said, in, in 1979. Yeah. Is is that whole um the riddle thing, isn't it? Why did Arsenal and Sunderland win the FA Cup in the same year? Oh yeah. Yeah, and that's that, obviously yeah. the answer that, that yeah. the player that, that scored the, the winning goal uh, in the final. How about you as a player? You didn't add, uh, referenced it earlier, didn't I? You don't, didn't have many good ask. memories as a player. I mean, uh, when I jump in my car, that's all I'll be thinking about <laughs> on the way home. I mean, come on. Every time you mention it, I know. And, it's the and one, every time it's you've the got one to talk game. About you know, obviously I've played in a lot of games where we ended up on the losing side, but that is the one game that I get chills down my spine till this day. And, I, you know, I say, he'll tell you the same. It's just the one game that just plays on your mind, you know, when people remind you of it. And you just think, Jesus, what were you doing? So FA Cup for, for a bit of <laughs> a bit of context, I'm sure that the fans do know and, what we're talking and, about. But and, obviously, Wickham in in the quarterfinals yeah. of the FA Cup. I, I'll tell you, let, let me yeah, Wickham in the quarterfinals. Michael Essendon got him off C facts or whatever scores the, the winner. Uh, we were absolute rubbish out there, and we didn't deserve the win probably. But you know the opportunity was there to get through to the semi final. I think we'd have played Liverpool in the semi final, and we'd just beaten Liverpool 
at home the week before in the league. Uh, 2-0, I think it was. And we played really well against them. They were, it was a good side. Emil Heskey was actually playing for Liverpool that day. But we played really well. 1-2-0. Muzzy scored an absolute worldly, as he normally did. Uh, but it, to be honest, we weren't a great team. And, you know, somehow we'd find ourselves in the top six all season in the league. And the Lord only knows how that happened. But we knew if we could get through the quarterfinals, then we had a chance. And we were all thinking, yeah, give us Liverpool. We'll, we'll have another goal at Liverpool because we've already beaten them. So we fancied our chances. And I think that was probably part of the reason why we didn't win that game. We were one, one step too far ahead of ourselves. Because you're playing against, obviously, no disrespect, but yeah, a, a absolutely. team that you, you, you should and, have been. And we would probably be looking towards the semi-final and not you know, staying in the moment. And obviously, I think that was the one... I think they went on to win that Liverpool that year, the 2000 FA Cup. If memory, I think it was 2-1. Michael Owen scored a little, little sneaky one uh, later Arsenal, on. Arsenal, yeah. Yeah, against Arsenal again, it, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I'm just reading up again on, on it. That you, you mentioned the CFAX thing. So they signed this player because of an internet appeal. Yeah. And they signed this player the week before. Yeah. And the week after he scores against you. In, yeah, in and, the, and then the week after that, or the week after, you know, uh, he was let go. <laughs> you know, he, he, I don't think he ever played another game after the FA Cup. I might be wrong on that. but Belfast-born as well, which I'm sure. Yeah. I didn't well, know if you, you knew go. that, but that yeah. makes it even and, more. And speed. to be honest, I was partly at fault for his goal. I was doing a bit of ball watching. I wish we had the video of it. I, I'll talk you through the bad defending. We're gonna from, do, I tell you what, we're going to do that. We're going to do it on Sunday. We'll, yeah. we'll get it for Sunday for Match Day yeah. Live. I, I, might, I might get it out of my system. Yeah. <laughs> Therapeutic. Yeah. Just Absolutely. About a bit of exorcism by, you know, facing your fears on the on thing and <laughs> talking <laughs> through it. Sorry? It's only been 20 years. Yeah, no. I, t I tell you, Tony, seriously, though, it, every time it gets mentioned, I, I go into a deep state of depression for about... 20 minutes, half an hour. Well, yeah. it's funny. Go on, Tony. You can have, a, have lo loads of games and that, but you can have one game that you just look back on and think, if only, don't you? And that, you know, mm. that's obviously that's it. game. It's frustrating. Yeah, well, well, Tony joins us actually on on Sunday for Match Day Live on LCFC TV. Yeah. I think he's probably looking forward to that. Looking not not <laughs> not just not just for the game anymore, but to to see Jerry. Uh, oh, I can't wait and see the footage of it as well. Yeah, well, I'll talk you through and I'll 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 I'll, I'll explain it all. I'll put, I'll pull myself to pieces gladly, and hopefully that will get rid of this. <laughs> You've got a nice long drive back home this year. Yeah, evening, I know exactly, so. and I, I tell you, it's yeah. this. Anyway, can we move on now? Please? We can. You've done really well there, Jerry. You've done really well to talk about that for that long. Therapy. Uh, on it, live on air. A I, bit of therapy. I, I tell you, a bit of therapy that, that a lot of people might need is, is about VAR. Uh, I, I promise we talk about it. We've got mm. about a minute, Tony, um, because we've got to do the rest of the questions for the quiz. There's been a few decisions this week. That, that the, one, the Wolves game at Fulham, that the Liverpool game against Villa, there was that foul we referenced in the build-up to Man United's disallowed goal. Newcastle's lack of a penalty at Turf Moor. Apparently, there's there's been some controversy in, in the game this evening as we've been on air. So there are some issues I'd say maybe to, to be ironed out. I wonder what your opinion is, Tony, on VAR. Yeah, I'll keep it brief, Dan, because I've gone all night about it. But um, listen, you can't blame the referees too much because they're only doing the law. They're going by the letter of the law, but the, it's the law that's wrong. Um, I don't get, I mean, I'm just thinking of the Liverpool uh, one that was disallowed. And they're actually doing the measurements from a guy's shoulder. Now, I don't know about you, but how many goals have you seen scored with a shoulder in the last 20 years? Because I can't think of one. So why on earth? We're playing football. We're not playing handball. We're not playing shoulder ball. Surely you should do the measurements from people's feet. We, we see the Sometimes you see the defender's foot and you've got the attacker's foot well behind. But because he's leaning forward, which you have to do as a forward, they're taking the measurement from the shoulder. So... I think they've got to look at the, the laws. I think Arsene Wenger's come up with some good ideas. Please listen to someone who's involved in football, who's, who's respected, rather than getting some of these lawmakers who are they, they're out of touch with football and they don't understand what's going on in a professional game. Get some football people involved and we might sort it out. Here, here. Here, here. Well said, Tony Cotty. Going to say we're having a really therapeutic evening, Jerry. You've yeah. spoken about the wicked thing. Tony Coddy's got a little bit of that off yeah. his chest. So there we go. Hey, you've got one more bit of support as well on social media. Raymond Tolerico, uh, another one of our regular listens, listeners. Good evening, Raymond. He just says tags is gutted. <laughs> I mean, yeah, if, if there wasn't social distancing, we'll give you a cuddle, yeah. Jerry, to try and Please. cheer you up. Bring on Sunday. I can't wait for Sunday. Forget the semi final. <laughs> I'm looking forward. 
Oh, <laughs> uh, right, let's see if Jerry can turn around his forces in the quiz this evening. Uh, Tony Cotty, uh, we've got about four minutes, so I'll just um, get straight on with it before we reveal our, uh, who's the fox at the end of the show. Um, so, Tony, your question number two is, um, what season was Jesse Lingard on loan at Leicester? Oh, wow. Um, Didn't play many games, but he was on loan at Leicester. What season was that? Again, I don't know. I'm going to guess 2014 15. Chance to steal for Jerry to make it 2 1. 12 13. <laughs> what a steal from the big Irishman. He's back in it. He's back in it. Um, <laughs> What at Chelsea are set to play their home leg of the Champions League at quarter-final tie with Porto tomorrow. What country is it in? Spain. He's back in the game. He really is back in the game. It's now 2-2. Um, Jerry, then your third um, from pot one. Uh, who scored twice as Arsenal won 3-0 at Sheffield United last night? Oh, I've not got a clue. Can I just explain why I have... his poker face, by the way. I, I think he knows this one. Can I just explain why I haven't got a clue? Because it was the Masters golf this weekend. And I'm, I'm afraid... <laughs> Apart from the West Ham game, football has taken a back, a back seat this weekend. The Masters it is... It wasn't Matsuyama. <laughs> no. Uh, who scored two? For Arsenal last night. Right. Well, it wasn't Aubameyang because he was on the bench. That's what I do know because I heard the team news on the answer. radio. Huh? No, no. No, no. It's not no, you're doing answer. a Walsh, Jerry. I'm just saying it wasn't Aubameyang. Uh, so who think Gerald think hard and fast quickly quickly uh, uh, Lacazette <laughs> <laughs> that's a pure guess Ooh. pure guess can I have two guesses on this next one like? <laughs> uh, I <laughs> Right, Jerry's 3-2 up. Tony, you need to get this to force a tiebreaker. Uh, what was the score in the first leg of the Manchester City Borussia Dortmund quarter-final tie? So what was the score last week? 2-1 City. Well done, Tony. Well done, Tony. 3-3. Right, it's going to a tiebreaker then. Uh, Jamie Vardy made his 300th start for Leicester City in all competitions at the weekend. So with that in mind, I want you to tell me how many Premier League appearances he's made. That can be obviously from the bench or, or from the start. Just how many Premier League appearances has Jamie Vardy made at Leicester City? If you've got a pen and paper in front of you, Tony, I'd like you to write your answer down. If you don't, don't worry. Oh, no, you do. It looks like yeah. you do. Um, we'll give you a little bit of time to have a think. I tell you what, while you're thinking of the Jamie Vardy answer, we'll get the Who's the Fox uh, back on the screens quickly for you. Uh, we've had loads and loads and loads of correct guesses. Um, so well done to everybody that has said, obviously, Jamie Vardy. Uh, that was Jamie Vardy after the own goal that he forced against Sheffield United in that 5-0 win a couple of weeks ago. So well done to those of you that got Jamie Vardy right. Um, you've had a bit of time to think then. Uh, Jamie Vardy made his 300th start for Leicester City in all competitions at the weekend. With that in mind, how many Premier League appearances has he made? Jerry Taggart and Tony Cotter, you've both got your answers. Yep, show, show me then. Tony, what have you got? 238 and 180. I think, do you know something... Oh, Tony Cotty, you've got it bang on. No, I've guessed that, Dan. 200, oh, yeah. 238 is bang on. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe it. Seriously. 238. Where did you pull that from, Tony? Well, I'm just thinking, Tags, like you're trying to think of like the percentage of games and you've got League Cup, FA Cup, and then you've got European appearances. And I thought it must be about three quarters. So I've pulled three quarters, two, two, five, yeah. a little bit more. 
Anyway, it's just a guess. I need to go. I'm going to go and have yeah. a bet on the horses. Yeah, well done, Tony. Bang on there. <laughs> you, you deserve the win for that. Uh, thank you very much for joining us this evening. Uh, thanks as ever to Jerry Taggart as well. He's now got an Can't even longer drive home oh, uh, with his thoughts on the way back. Uh, do join us, though, uh, for Match Day Minus 2 this week on Friday, looking ahead to that huge FA Cup semi-final on Sunday where Tony Cotty is another guest alongside Jerry Taggart. Uh, so that is certainly one to look forward to. Uh, but thanks, everyone, for, uh, for listening in and, and watching in and, and supporting us. Have a, a great week at work as well.